Hi, this is Pastor Brittany Isaac from Urban Village Church, Chicago. We are a church that is bold, inclusive, and relevant. I know that many of you out there are hungry for a gospel message of healing and wholeness, a message that leads to a life transformed by Christ. I hope that this podcast does just that. And if it does, would you please consider making a financial gift that will support this gospel-inclusive ministry? You can do that by going to urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks so much and have a blessed day. The scripture reading this morning is from Ruth, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a prominent rich man of the family of Elamech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain behind someone in whose sight I may find favor. She said to her, Go, my daughter. So she went. She came and gleaned in the field behind the reapers. As it happened, she came to, be, came to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the family of Elamech. Then Boaz came, just then Boaz came, Boaz came from Bethlehem. He said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. They answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, to whom does this young woman belong? The servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the Moabite who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the reapers. So she came, and she has been on her feet from early this morning until now without resting even for a moment. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Keep your eyes on the field that is being reaped and follow behind them. I have ordered the young men not to bother you. If you get thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. The word of God for the people of God. Speed of God. Hey, y'all, good morning. How are you? Wonderful. Uh, I'm good, too. Thanks. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Uh, My name is Brittany. I'm the pastor here, and um, I'm glad. I got to say, uh, just true confession, if I didn't have to be here, like, because it was my job, I'm not sure I would have come today because it's so gross out. So good for you all. (laughs) Good for you all. Just being honest. Um, So let's start with prayer. Holy and gracious God, Open our hearts to the reading of your word. Open our hearts to your vision for this world. In this scripture, may we catch a glimpse of who you are and who we are. In this scripture and in this preaching time, may we feel emboldened and called to live in the kingdom that Jesus proclaimed. It is in his name we pray. Amen. So before I came to UVC, I was part of this lively little congregation in Lakeview that every Tuesday evening pushed all the chairs aside in the sanctuary and turned um, the sanctuary into a restaurant-style food kitchen. Um, What made this uh, called Dignity Diner? And what made this different than other sort of soup, traditional soup kitchens that you think of is that we... um, there were certainly volunteers that had to work behind the line and give food and serve, but a large part of the volunteer role was simply to sit at the table 
of six to eight folks and enjoy the company of those who um, were experiencing food insecurity and or homelessness. <laughs> to provide dignity, to be present, to share in the same way that you would share dinner with friends on a Friday night. Um, and actually, just to sort of name, is anybody volunteering at the South Loop community table tonight? That's, that's uh, what they are doing tonight, too, is, is to be present in that place with folks who are experiencing hunger and homelessness. As I was reading through our scripture passage today, that word dignity and thinking about Dignity Diner immediately came to mind. Uh, Boaz greets those who are gleaning in the field with dignity by saying, may the Lord be with you. This is a statement that's full of respect. It seeks the welfare of those who are on the margins and have had to glean from the fields. And so I want to take a moment to dig into this passage today and see the bigger picture of what's happening. In uh, 1 Kings, you'll find lots of stuff. Um, 1 Kings gives a very detailed chapter after chapter description of, of the rebuilding of the temple that King Solomon um, oversaw. Um, we're not going to read all of that today, luckily, but I do want to call your attention to, ver- uh, to chapter 7. In chapter 7, we learn that there's two pillars that are made out of bronze. Um, and there's one pillar in the north of the temple, there's one pillar in the south of the temple, and uh, the, they're given names. So the pillar to the south is named Jachin. We're not going to talk about that today. But the pillar to the north is named Boaz. So in this temple that has been rebuilt for the glory of God, this temple where it is thought that the presence of God will dwell, has these two pillars, and one of them is named Boaz. When we go then to read into the book of Ruth, we can maybe assume, we read that Boaz is a man of worth, we can also maybe assume that he is a pillar of that community, that he is a leader in that community, and maybe even perhaps that he is especially connected to God, maybe even perhaps that he has God's heart. He is a landowner, and landowners were required to follow Levitical law regarding harvesting practices. So I think I've got a slide with uh, some Leviticus on it. Um, if not, just bear with me. Uh, Leviticus in chapter 19 and also in chapter 23 says this, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap it to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. You shall not strip your vineyard bare or gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. So that's chapter 19. In chapter 23, it says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap to the very edges of the field. You shall gather the glean- you shall not or gather the gleanings. You shall leave them for the poor and the alien. I am the Lord your God. God's being a little redundant here, which makes me think that maybe it's important. What do you think? <laughs> Twice it's mentioned in four chapters. In these passages in Leviticus, in the law, we get to see the heart of God. We get to see God's desire. And what I read in this Leviticus passage about gleaning is that God has a special heart for the poor and the alien. 
about 50 years ago, Gustavo Gutierrez. <laughs> Brian said he would cheer, yeah. He said he wanted to in the first service, but he held back. And I said, don't hold back. It's Gustavo Gutierrez. So let's try that again. About 50 years ago, Gustavo Gutierrez. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of you know him. He wrote a book called A Theology of Liberation. And in it, he says that in both the Old and the New Testament, both of these testaments demonstrate that God has a preferential concern for the physical and spiritual welfare of the poor. I want to say that again. God has a preferential concern for the physical and spiritual welfare of the poor. He says that this is an essential element of the gospel. And so today's passage, we see that preferential concern. We see how Levitical law made space and room for those on the margins. We see how Levitical law was an attempt to guide people to follow God's way and God's vision. See, Levitical law was created as the answer to the human condition. Sin. Remember we've talked about sin as the human propensity to things up, right? Levitical law was created as the answer to address greed. You know, like, I planted all these crops, they're mine. Those poor people don't deserve it. Or pride. I did this myself. If nobody helped, they don't deserve it. I did it. Or anger. Why can't people take care of themselves? Why did they go and become poor? They can't have any of my stuff. So Levitical law was designed to address these issues. And the hope was that if an outward behavior was prescribed, do these things, don't harvest your crops, leave space for the poor and the alien, then it would change us internally. It would change that reality of sin within us. These laws seem to be saying, do these things, care for the least of these because I care for the least of these. So what I think is interesting, though, in this passage is that Boaz, well, okay, so when you're told to do this, I don't know about you, but even if I was capable of doing something way up here, I'm going to come and just do exactly what was asked of me, right? Because it's easier. But what I find amazing about this passage, beautiful about this passage, is that Boaz, here's the law, leave the edges, and Boaz goes above what was prescribed. He says, take, take all, you know, do it as long as you want. Get, get as much as you need. And, and moreover, this is awful in this day and age, but I'm going to make sure the young men don't bother you. That's going above what was required of the law. And uh, if you're thirsty, please go and get something to drink. That wasn't in the law. So he's going above what was required of the law. 
Um, I think this is because Boaz had God's heart, right? Boaz caught a vision for what we call the kingdom of God. Boaz knew that God, in some way he must have known that God has a preferential concern for those on the margins. It's hard for us, though, right? It's hard for us to get the heart of God. Um, the law is hard to follow. It's part of, it's part of uh, what has happened to us in Christianity with, with Christ, right? We say, no longer law, but love, right? To model and pattern our life after Jesus. Listen to how Paul talks about it in the book of Romans. Do you have that passage? I don't know. Those who have sinned outside the law will also die outside the law, and those who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. It isn't the ones who hear the law who are righteous in God's eyes. It's the ones who do what the law says who will be treated as righteousness, as righteous. Gentiles don't have the law, but when they instinctively do what the law requires, they are a law in themselves. They show proof of the law written in their hearts, in their consciences affirms it. They show proof of the law written on their hearts. That's what we do as Christians, right? We say, Jesus, I can't do this alone. Open my heart to your vision for this world. Open my heart to see all of your people and to act in care and compassion as you would act. Jesus, help me. I can't do this alone. And so that's what Boaz does. He provides dignity and kindness. He goes above the law. So as I was thinking about this in 2018, what, is that, what does that mean for us, particularly as we look at the issue of hunger? As, or, or said another way, as the issue of food insecurity. I actually have a good friend who works for Feeding America. Does anybody know of that organization? Yeah. Um, and she, so I was like, hey, tell me about hunger. <laughs> um, and she told me a whole lot. Um, and I want to share a little bit of what she shared with me today as a way to think about how we are going above the law and pattering our life after Jesus. One of the things she told me is that currently the farm bill is up for a renewal or redrafting or however you want to say it. And a large part of the farm bill is what's called the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP, also known for many people as the old, the old name food stamps, right? SNAP food stamps. Um, and she said that there's a lot of folks that want to drastically reduce or entirely cut SNAP. And their, um, their thought is, well, um, food banks can make up the slack. But she said right now, and Feeding for America operates over 200 food banks. They serve every single county in the U.S., um, Puerto Rico, and D.C. Uh, she said currently all food banks in the U.S., serve about one in 10 meals for folks with food insecurity, and SNAP provides nine out of 10. So can you imagine what would happen if we cut that program? There's, it just would be impossible for food banks to make that up. 
um, because this bill is up for reauthorization, Feeding for America has done some research uh, to try to find out how people are understanding SNAP and how they feel about it. This is so interesting. They found that actually, uh, we loved a, a, well, they found that um, Trump voters are actually super in favor of SNAP. And they are because a lot of Trump voters, the reality is they have friends and family members who have benefited from it. And so they see what a real difference it makes in people's lives. Who is very against SNAP are the folks that um, are doing well and are a little bit more conservative and who say uh, it's a corrupt system, um, people take advantage of it, people are just lazy. Um, Though I will say, interestingly enough, uh, there have, they have been several studies that have shown that SNAP is actually the one federal program that is taken advantage of the least in all of the federal programs. And it's been found that um, folks who take advantage of SNAP, it improves their diet and it reduces healthcare costs, right? So it's all good. But even if none of that were true, even if it were the program that was most taken advantage of in the world, or the US, I guess. What I think is interesting, I, if we want to model our life after Jesus, if we look to scripture today and we look to Boaz's example, we don't see him questioning the system or asking if people are taking advantage or assuming that they are lazy or they did something. Uh, we don't see Boaz saying, you're an immigrant. You don't deserve this. We don't see Boaz saying, why don't you get a job? And then you can have some of my gleanings. We don't see Boaz say, you just seem lazy. I don't think you deserve this. We also don't see Boaz say, okay, you can have my gleanings for six months, but then you need to be self-sufficient. What we see Boaz say is, May the Lord be with you. Dignity. A heart of God. So I've been thinking about that. How do we respond as Christians? How do we wish the peace of Lord, the Lord with those we come in contact with? How do we live in this world of legislative laws and trying to model and pattern our life after Jesus, who clearly always crossed the margins and welcomed those who didn't have as much. And the answer is both and. We've talked about this, right? It's justice, it's changing laws, it's creating systems that are more just, and it's knowing that today there are folks that are hungry. Today, there are people that do not know where their next meal is coming from, and we as Christians are called to fill in that gap. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, this is, like, I'm kind of done talking. Um, we are going to cast just a little bit. We're going to live a little bit into God's vision. It's, it takes a whole lot of us doing a, whole, a little bit to get to that vision, right? Right? 
So thank you for all of you that brought stuff in. Awesome. Thank you. Uh, yay. <laughs> um, so I got this idea from a woman at our Hyde Park Woodlawn site named Vinia, and she um, gives these, she assembles these care kits just on her, her own, like this is something she does. Um, and uh, she puts them together, and then she always has one in her bag. Because I don't know about you, but one of the hardest things that I experience is, especially downtown, it, um, is when I'm walking around and, and someone asks me for something, and one, I don't have a lot of cash on me, so I was like, I'm sorry. Um, but it's, how do I acknowledge people's humanness? And how do I meet a very real need? Um, it doesn't change the system, but it says, may the Lord be with you in that very moment. So we're going to, uh, it's, it's going to be messy. We're going to bump into each other. I would invite you to introduce yourself to someone you don't know, right? You'll stand next to someone. Uh, we've got bags, and um, we, apparently, People love the cheese and crackers and the peanut butter crackers. We've got a ton of that. <laughs> so um, what we're going to do is like just put one of the cheese cracker, one of the peanut butter, grab some of everything. You know, um, There's not a science to these kits. It's not like somebody's going to be like, what, I only got two Band-Aids and this person got three. Like, Put 10 in there. We've got ton or whatever. Um, so you're going to kind of go through the line, and then at the end, we have a piece of paper that says, may the Lord be with you. You can put that in there as a prayer for that person that you will meet. Um, you can put that in there as a reminder that you desire God to change your heart and pattern your life more after Jesus. Um, so that's what we're going to do. Um, I feel like there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, there might be leftovers. Emily, where did she go? I'm, always, I'm really good at calling people out, aren't I? Um, Emily, our late chaplain today, uh, works in an organization that is always meeting people's immediate needs. And so um, if, if you work in a situation where you don't come across folks that, um, that um, are experiencing hunger, you're welcome to just like make a kit as a prayer and then uh, leave it there and Emily's going to take them all to her organization. If you come across folks all the time, make five kits, make 10 kits, right? Um, one other call out, although we have a lot of jerky because the message got out. Vinia says that the first thing people go for is the jerky. And that's because um, it is possible for folks to get all of the calories they need in a day, but still be starving. Uh, because where do we get leftover food? Panera donates their pastries. Starbucks donates their pastries, right? So folks are eating, but they're not getting the nutrition they need, and what folks really need a lot of times is protein. So uh, if we run out of jerky and you're like, oh, I can head to the dollar store and get my own, you know, Feel, but, but yes, just know the jerky is like prime, prime commodity. Questions? Thoughts? Okay. 
I am going to pray, and then we're just going to do it. And you're just going to like stand up and bump into somebody, and it's going to be lovely and holy. You ready? Holy and gracious God, <sighs> there are days when we catch your vision, and we live in your righteousness, and our hearts are aligned with yours, and then they are fle- it is fleeting. And uh, we ask your forgiveness for that. We want to live and model our life after you. We want to create a vision and a kingdom, a kingdom that, from the vision that you have cast. In this act of service, may we see your people. May we fill some of the gap. May each person that receives one of these packages know that they are loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.